We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? Doing great, Patrick. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. We are going to talk about something today that on the surface, I think, feels really obvious. <laughs> but I think my, my hope is, and, and I'm, I'm confident that we will, be able to dig into some of the nuance and, and pick things apart a little bit to get a better understanding of these things. And, that, and the, the sort of the big, slightly obvious thing is thinking about, looking at, talking about the differences between somebody pursuing the CrossFit Games and somebody at CrossFit New England pursuing fitness. A regular member versus a games athlete or, or an athlete who wants to be the games athlete. Um, and so again, really big picture. That sounds like, well, obviously one is in the gym six hours a day and one's in the gym one hour a day. But I'd love to get even deeper into this uh, to get an understanding of where you see the parallels the, and, the, and the differences, the, the, the things that are similar and the things that are different. And so when I ask you that, when we bring this up, what is the, where's the first place your head goes? What is, what's kind of the big high-level um, idea or concept that you think about first? So from a really high level, um, it's really the difference between what are the goals? And like anything, if, um, if, you, if you ask me for nutrition advice, the first thing I have to go is like, what is your goals? Because if your goals are to put on 30 pounds, that's very different than to you know be 4% body fat. And I'm not here to say goals are right or wrong, but you need to know what the goals are in order to figure out what's the right process to follow. So that's kind of what this is about. It's more, it's like, I, I would say it's the, the profile. What does it look like as one of these athletes? How do they operate a day? And um, what is the process that they follow along the way? And the... Regular member, the, the, the end state goal that they're chasing is health. And they might not know that or not. But, and I'm kind, of, I'm, I'm kind of saying that as a regular member. Yes, there are people that are trying to PR their marathon. Yes, there are people that are trying to back squat 500 pounds. Yes, there are people that are trying to um, qualify for some sort of world championships. But a regular member, right? A regular everyday member of the gym is coming to us because they want health. Whereas a games athlete, I'm stating such the obvious, but we have to start with this, right? Yep. Whereas a game athlete is chasing short-term performance. Health is across your lifetime. So what is your performance going to be in two, three, five, six decades? Performance for the short-term is what is your performance going to be in two, three, four, six months? And because of that, the the pursuit is very very different. One obviously is what you talked about is just like the the amount of volume, um, intensities, and focus that they bring to their training. But I like to think of it in terms of thing that we talk about all the time on this podcast is it's a nice lens to kind of dissect this. What are the differences between the way these two athletes would approach the five factors? Because at first blush, you're like, well, there's obvious ones. One spends six hours in the gym. One spends one, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But then you go, nutrition. Well, nutrition should be pretty much the same. And, you know, it's like, so it kind of helps because if you don't, 
have the curtain pulled back a little bit, you see how Chandler eats and you want to eat like Chandler mm -hmm. because he's ripped, he's shredded, he's got this peak performance and I want to, gosh, that seems like really, or you see him the way he eats and you're like, what the heck? Like, that's not what Ben talks about at all. Like that so flies in the face of what I would think that these athletes eat. So are they just being lazy or what's the deal? So mm -hmm. I think just understanding the difference between these way that the, an elite athlete chasing short-term performance um, would eat, sleep, train, think, connect versus the way a, I would encourage an everyday member who's chasing health balance, you know, in, in terms of when we say health, that's obviously, again, how are you maximizing the five factors um, across your life? So that's the, the prism I'd bring to this. So um, the, the first thing that pops into my head or the first kind of question I think I ask on the back of that is where do you start to delineate between the athlete who is pursuing health and the athlete who is pursuing well, I guess the way you put it, I think is nice. The kind of the long-term performance versus the short-term performance, mm -hmm. because I've been, I certainly know a lot of people who, who are straddle that line quite frequently that that line between short-term and long-term, uh, performance, where do you start to delineate decision-making for one versus the other? Is it, is it a stated goal? Is it like, okay, I want to get to the CrossFit games and that's obvious. Is it, uh, is it, I want to, I want to be able to compete at the low, the gym's throwdown next year. Like where, like, where's the, where's the, the, you go this way and you go this way. So yeah, it's, um, first one, it's like, what sets your heart on fire? Like what gets you really excited? And in terms of, if I talk, we talked about peak performance because everyone wants peak performance in the short term yeah. as well. Yep. So, um, cause everybody wants to be faster, fitter, leaner, stronger, do well, better in the workouts, do better in the mm -hmm. next competition, whatever it might be. But, um, how much do you, like, how much does that really set you on fire? Like if I said, would you like to compete? If I said to you, Patrick, would you like to compete at the CrossFit games in the next one to five years? Mm -hmm. Your response would be definitely not. Yeah. Okay. So that's <laughs> <laughs> now, if I ask somebody else, like if I ask, you know, Amanda or Chandler, one of those guys, the answer is going to be like, um, uh, the obvious, which is my whole life is focused around that. Yep. And then it becomes this like shades of gray, right? Where, yeah, that'd be really cool. That'd be amazing. Awesome. Then you ask these little questions like, well, what if you couldn't fail? What if, like I said, like, if you do these things, you, you will do that. And like, that sounds pretty dope because it was just the fact, the fact of fear of failure that was holding them back. It wasn't necessarily their passion or their goals. It was fear of failure. Then you go, you, you, you get edging back towards like the, yeah, that'd be cool if it happened, you know, but like, I, you know, I also want to have kids or, you know, I'm really kind of like really invested into this new venture I'm in, or, you know, I really like spending time with my family. Like, and you start to hear these conversations. It's like, okay, so this is not binary. It's not, you are doing this or the other. There are shades of gray in all of this. I think what helps to paint the picture though, is to, um, describe the, the two ends of the spectrum and allow mm -hmm. people to color in between the lines as they see fit, because there's so many different variations of this. The most obvious one is if you are a regular member, the, the recommendation is that you train five to six days a week in a class and then maybe go do a little bit extra something. 
Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. Like then go and maybe go for um, a hike a few times. Then go and ski on the weekends. Then play men's uh, or women's ice hockey. And then also you know coach your kids um, soccer team. Whatever it is, that's that's the prescription for an everyday. That's the, that's the prescription we would look for. Whereas we know the games athletes should be in the gym for about six to eight hours a day. So now if you're like, I want to do better, I want to be then okay, it's going to be two, three, four, or five hours a day. It's up to you to figure out where you fall on that spectrum. We, we did a whole episode and it's, it, this, the episode reminds me of what we're talking about here. We did a whole episode about, um, uh, this, but as it relates to nutrition, right? Define the goal you have of nutrition. And then from there, you can kind of start to make the logical steps towards it. And so I don't want to spend too much more time on that, uh, on the nutrition end of things in, in terms of the five factors, but, um, but where, where else do you start to see like, okay, because you've determined that this is the track you want to go on, what is the next step? Like as it relates to those five factors or the, the other four factors, maybe. Oh, Great. So let's revisit the, the nutrition one really quickly though. So people sure. haven't listened to that one. And yep. basically the really high level principle is if you're looking for long-term health, real foods is number one. Mm-hmm. Like you have to eat real foods, avoid the processed stuff. That is principle number one. But if you're looking to be a CrossFit games athlete, that is not number one at all. Number one is make sure you get enough calories. Mm-hmm. So it's almost the Principles number one for health is don't eat too many calories and make sure as many of those calories come from real food sources as possible. If you're a CrossFit Games athlete, it's almost the opposite. Mm-hmm. It is make sure you get enough calories in order to get enough calories with the training you're doing and fueling pre and post workout. We need to make sure you're getting enough sugar, like the exact opposite of the regular athlete, yeah. enough sugar. AKA carbohydrates, easily digestible, ready to fuel source because you perform in the glycolytic state, glycolytic sport, and make sure you're fueling around your, um, your workouts. Then the next big one becomes like, don't, if you're an athlete, um, try things like intermittent fasting, keto, vegan, plant-based, like all those things. You need to just like, you need to fuel the machine. It's, Mm -hmm. and this is why people get confused with, well, the CrossFit Games athletes are having Gatorade and right. we've told everyone in the CrossFit space that Gatorade's bad. Like, what's the deal? They need, forget about the electrolytes part, they need the sugar from it. They need it. I don't. And the next one is things like uh, before they go to bed. So for us, we can actually get some health benefits from going to bed, not full. They might get benefits, um, might, because it depends on the athlete, from going to bed with a little bit of something in their stomach. So mm-hmm. there's differences um, in that. But then you, to get to your question, that was like let's the baseline. Very quick. <laughs> yeah. Very quick nutrition. Quick and dirty. Um, the next biggest, most obvious one for sure is training, right? It's the actual time that they're spending in the gym. We already said it. The normal athlete should be spending 60 to 90 minutes, you know, um, two hours on the top end of what they're looking for. And that would include like a little pre-class mobility stuff, maybe after class go um, jump on a spin bike for a little bit or do a little accessory work with a a barbell, whatever it might be that you're kind of chasing. Um, But a CrossFit Games athlete, so I'll I'll paint the really, so our athletes come to the gym between 8.30 and 9. 
they leave um, and they stay in the gym for their first morning session till um, about 11 to 1130, depending if we're doing a team meeting or not. So that's call it 830, 930, 1030, 11. That's four hours in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then they take a couple hour break and they come back at about 1.30 for a two o'clock start time. And they stay in the gym then till between 4.30 and 5.30, depending how big the day is. So now we have 1.30, 2.30, 3.30, 4.30, 5.30, another four hours in the afternoon. Smaller days, less meetings. That actually ends up being about six. So it's six to eight hours in the gym. Now, they're obviously not running and th- doing thrusters for eight hours. There's <laughs> lots of downtime in between, but that's the schedule. That's very different than the one to two hours we're, we're looking for for normal health. So when you talk about that and when, how do we backfill what in, what's involved in those hours, it comes into working your weaknesses. That might be a mobility issue. It might be an aerobic base building thing. It might be a strength thing. It might be a skill set. So from a games athlete perspective, it becomes really – CrossFit re- works well because you know, you're only strong as your weakest link and you know – um, you identify your weaknesses and you get better, brings up the bottom. So the GPP gets better. That's cool for a regular everyday athlete. Somebody that's been running five K's, 10 K's, maybe they've done a few marathons their whole life, goes into a CrossFit gym, all of a sudden starts playing with a barbell and their fitness goes up massively mm-hmm. as opposed to the diminishing returns they were getting on the cardio response. They are now getting to work on something that they were not proficient at and the fitness across the board goes up massively. Remembering how we're defining fitness as work capacity across broad time mold domains, not how fast is your 5k. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool for a regular um, Joe, regular Jane. For a games athlete, it's their livelihood. Like they have to do this. So because of that, in a regular gym setting, somebody might not be good at handstand pushups and they do handstand pushups once a week and they get better at it and it's good and cool. And like, I couldn't do any before. And now I could do after six months, I could do one or two in our sport. They have to do that way more frequently. You can't get the adaptation curve fast enough from doing it once a week. So they have to get the touches, you know, three or four times a week on their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Case in point here is somebody like, um, you know, we do 30 day focus pieces a lot where somebody might go to the pool for 30 days straight. They might do biking for 30 days straight. They might do whatever it might be, handstand walking for 30 days straight to really get the touches. Now somebody hears that and they go like, whoa, what about the constant variance? Yup, that's one of the differences between the regular person and the elite. If you go, if you wanna be a really good swimmer on your high school swim team and coach is like, Monday we're swimming and you come back Tuesday and they're like, get in the pool and you're like, whoa, whoa, coach, coach. I swam yesterday. Like you swim every day and that's how you get really good at it. That's how you, and that's what these guys need to do is get really, really good at things. So the frequency that they touch things, um, the actual hours that they're putting in, which equates to volume, um, goes up massively. Whereas a regular athlete might get, you know, kind of sweet spot is 45, 50 reps of something. Makes sense, right? 21, 15, nine, that's 45 reps, five sets of 10, that's 50 reps. Um, you know, even the sevens workout, seven rounds of seven is 49 reps, really close to 50. We are, we're trying to get our athletes up way higher than that on, on a touch so that they can get much more exposure and adaptation to the movements and stamina. Okay. From there, um, it goes to kind of like the outside the gym, but I still classify as training, which is things like heat exposure, saunas, 
um, training um, in a pre-fatigue state, um, video review, um, video assessments. All of those things are massively important for a games athlete. But I would never, I would never do those types of things or prescribe those things for the regular Jane or Joe. It's a massively different approach. So just because you hear that Chandler watches video of himself and other competitors, you know, four, five, six days a week, that's not something I recommend for every athlete mm-hmm. that comes in my gym because what you're doing is you're taking away from other aspects of your life that are more beneficial. Mm. This really comes down to the way you balance your life and it's balance versus single pointed intention. And if you're have a single pointed intention to be the best in the world at something, it takes an incredible amount of discipline, fortitude, dedication, awareness, patience, all of those things to be able to commit to that practice. As a regular everyday person, I don't want them to use up those things in this endeavor. I want you to use that in patience with your kids Mm. in terms of tenacity with creating fulfillment in your life. So it's where are you putting your motivation? Where are you pouring your resources? So those are the, the, big, um, the big training aspects and the differences between um, the, the elite games athletes and the everyday person. And then, you know, everyone's kind of listening, knows the other factors, you know, sleep, connection. Oh, the other part I put in there in terms of um, training is our elite athletes need to put it because they're burning the candles so deep, they need to put so much focus into recovery. Yeah. So um, they should be putting in, you know, an hour or, or two a day. You know, I, I'd like to, I'd love to see an hour plus of active recovery that your mobility beforehand, it does not count. That is you getting you prepped for it. That is not recovery. A lot of people are like, yeah, I foam rolled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I stretched. Yeah. I did. That doesn't count. That's you're trying to rent the space, trying to create the range of motion so you can get ready for the activity. So this is things like working with a body coach like we have with TB12, Norma teching, um, Theragunning, uh, whatever, um, float tanks, anything that kind of helps speed up recovery. Um, obviously knowing that none of those things will speed up recovery the way that your sleep um, and nutrition will and obviously the, the total amount of volume and intensity. But that leads to the next one, which is sleep, mindset, and connection. Uh, before we dive into that, I'm curious where the, in your mind, where the middle ground is, because I know a lot of, especially CrossFitters who maybe even wouldn't consider themselves, you know, ath- you know, competitive athletes, but still pursue CrossFit as a, as a, uh, uh, as, as a, uh, something that they do often. And they think about a lot, yeah. they identify themselves as, so where does, where do those kind of the recovery protocols, I'm thinking about saunas and cold plunges and. Uh, and, and Norma text and all those things that, that have certainly made their way into, uh, what we would consider like a, a, if you're serious about this, this is, this is what you do, right? You do, you work out and then you go do these things. Are those unnecessary in your mind or are they only useful if, or as long as you're putting in the hours in the gym in terms of the, the classes that you're doing it, like it's not so useful to go into a sauna, for example, if you're only getting to the gym twice a week, like I would rather see you spend those hours in the gym versus again, the sauna, just as an example, um, where, do, where, do, like, where is that? Where's that nuance there? So it's really interesting. Um, I think that you, I think the words you used answer that question. And it's um, a question that somebody would ask themselves is you said like, 
they take this really seriously mm-hmm. and they identify themselves as dot, 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 yep. a competitive crosspath. If that's the case, you just told me you take this seriously and you see your identity as a CrossFit Games athlete. To me, these are untapped resources that you can take advantage to improve your performance is what mm-hmm. it boils down to. Yeah, I think what, what most people are doing is, is not the people who consider themselves athletes, but people who consider CrossFit being or CrossFit or fitness or whatever as being a big part of their lives and a big part of the time that they spend every day. Yeah, I would say um, is it, it's to the point. It's kind of like an EC thing, right? Yeah, it's to the point that it doesn't take away from something else. Got it. So if you are, I, I recommend. It's funny because you said the sauna thing. Um, I actually prescribe sauna as much for my regular athletes as I would for, and not for the heat acclimation point, but because there's so much, there's health benefits to it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's to the point that it's not taken away from something else. Yeah. So if you have your four five, six different roles that you play in your life, Mm -hmm. right? You're a parent, you're a husband, you're a business owner, you're a friend, you're a son, you're an athlete, you're a child of God, whatever it is for you, right? You just have to figure out how that's affecting the other buckets. Like if you're filling up this bucket so much that there's nothing left to fill up the other ones, that's detrimental and you're kidding yourself. You're chasing the wrong carrot. Mm. What we want to do is instead look back and, but if it's not, if you have the time, let's say you're retired, let's say you're a master's athlete, you're retired, you're single. This is the only thing that you have in your life, then dude, like go for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, and you're super passionate. It lights your heart on fire, right? It's something that you really want to do because, um, cause it, 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 it fulfills you. So it's kind of that deeper question of, um, what is it that really, so what is it that you're chasing and are you, um, are you having enough introspective conversations to figure out that this is the right path to get to that end. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, people end up, ch- you know, we talk about this a lot. People ch- end up chasing the thing that feeds the ego only to find out that when they get somewhere or they don't, that it, it wasn't as fulfilling as they actually thought it would be. Mm. One of the things that I, that I think is, uh, what, what I'm thinking about as, as I listen is an, is this idea of trade-offs, right? We've talked before about not, you know, intentionally not using the word, like, what are you like to a games athlete? What are you willing to sacrifice this thing for? Right. Um, I think it was Catherine said like, this isn't a sacrifice. This is what I love to do. But the word trade-off to me feels more appropriate for both a games athlete and, uh, and what I'm hearing kind of as this, you know, who I am and this kind of this regular athlete where like, you've got to recognize that if you want one thing, you're probably, or you've got to be careful with wanting what wanting that thing means for all the other things. And so, how do, how do your athletes, your games athlete, games athletes, think about trade offs as it relates to these five factors, if they do it all, or if you guys do it all? Yeah, so that's I love that um, thought uh, path to go down of like what's the trade off aspect mm-hmm. to this thing, um, because this is one of the defining factors I would say of like, it's a worthy pursuit to follow the games is you don't even see it as a trade-off. Yeah. Like when you ask caption that it wasn't a trade-off, right. there was no other, this is the thing, dude, this is like, I'm going for this thing. There is no trade-off. If you ask me that that's, are you, like you just said, like, there's no way in hell mm-hmm. it's because you're not willing. 
what you've already done before this is you've already realized that I'm not willing to give up these other things to make a go of that. So it's a really good, um, this is the conversation you can have with yourself is what are the things that I am willing to trade off in order to get there? And this thing was way beyond just the, the athlete aspect. You know, Heather, my wife is coming back to work at CrossFit New England. We were just talking about this before we started recording and yeah. she's the chief vibe officer, the CVO. Um, but she's really trying to, she's really, um, making the, the place feel alive in the way we, you know, bringing that, that coolness factor to it. And she hasn't worked, um, full-time in a very, very long time, like decades since before kids. And she hasn't even worked part-time in about, uh, seven or eight years since, um, or longer than that. Cause Bodhi's nine. So it was before Bodhi. So, um, she's realizing this as well. She's like, I, there's so many, like, there's so many things that you want to accomplish in the business. There's so much um, like urgency tied to all these things that, you know, need to get done, want to get done, should get done. But as a entrepreneur, you can't get them all done because you can't go all in on your business. Well, I, we have taken the choice not to go all in on the business because we have these other facets of our lives that we're not willing to trade off. Yep. And I think that's a, great, um, a great realization for people to have in terms of where do I fall in that spectrum? You know, I think of it as a, you know, the trade-off thing to me sounds like a seesaw. Mm. Like I'm willing to step away from this to get this, yep. but I think that's too binary. Um, cause that's not the way trade-offs work. I think of it more as a, uh, Frisbee balancing on a pencil. <laughs> where it's this thing where it's yeah. like everything affects everything else, right? And it's this pizza pie thing. And one piece slice of the pizza pie is your relationships. The other one is your sleep. The other one is your business. The other, you know, it could be the five factors. It could be your role as um, uh, an employee. It could be so many different things. And to me, a big part of a balanced, a fulfilled life is a balanced life. That's my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, other people will say it's no fulfilled life is um, achieving the, you know, putting a man on the moon, whatever it might be, um, becoming president of the United States or um, becoming the fittest person on the planet. So understanding where you are in that balancing act can actually solve, um, you know, asking that question first can help a lot in terms of the approach that you take to any one of these things. Is there, is that kind of an equal metaphor for both for, for the games athletes as well? Cause I, I can see it and I try to do it myself for the, for us in terms of that, that Frisbee on the finger, making sure that pressure isn't too much pressure, isn't pushing, isn't knocking it over. But is there still a, is there still a a kind of balance for games athletes? And do you find that they often struggle to find it and keep it? If so? Yeah. Um, here's my take is you can do one thing extraordinarily well, like, Mm -hmm. like at a, at a best in the world type level, like Elon Musk does not have balance. Mm-mm. Um, you know, Matt Fraser did not have balance, you know, like Michael Jordan did not have balance. So to be the best in the world at something, you have to go all in on it. You have to just give every single ounce of your being to it. In my opinion, I think you do things at a world-class, I think you do two things I think you create a little bit of balance at a world-class level. I think you could be a games athlete and still be a college student, be a games athlete 
and still be a great dad, be a games athlete, and you fill in the blank. I think once you get to three, I think you have to pull back from the world-class level. I just think that it's – it's if you want to do three things because it goes basically like the best in the world, you are the one. To world-class, you are the 0.001%, but there's still dozens if not hundreds of you, maybe a thousands. You know? And then from there, if you want to do three things really well, now, now you're at like the 1%. You could still be a one percenter. In these things, you used to be a, an amazing, amazing athlete. You used to be an amazing, amazing dad and an amazing, amazing business owner, but you're not going to be the best business owner in the world. Mm. You're not going to be the best dad in the world be, and so on. And if you want to create it across the board, it's basically like you're just flattening out the peak. It's the same amount of volume. So you're making a sandcastle. You can make it out of you know one bucket full. It's like how high do you want to go? If you go up really high, well, you don't have a base. If you want the breadth across, well, you don't have that high of a peak. So it's just a matter of everybody has a limited amount of time, energy, resources. It's focus, attention. It's where do you want to put it? And the games athletes have chosen to do one or two things really well. And the ones that are the very, very best have narrowed that focus and they dedicate their lives completely to it. You know, I, when, I, I, when I coached Matt, like, no one, I, I never saw anybody like that. Mm. Like Matt was – there was nothing else like besides shooting guns, I guess, which he – I don't know how good of a – I'm not a gun shooter, so I don't know if that's what you call it. Gun but shooter. A gun shooter. So I don't know if he's good or not, but like yeah. I know it's a passion of his and that's what he did. And he – you know, he um, – Sammy was his girlfriend. He certainly spent a lot of time with her, but her focus was his performance. Mm. So, I mean, it's like net, it was like super dialed in laser like focus and to be the very best. That's what these guys do. Uh, I just want to point out that our metaphors have been, um, frisbees, seesaws and sandcastles. So clearly you are the father of small children. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Uh, but I, but I, but I relate to them. Um, do you find either or either or, for games athletes or, uh, you know, our, our long-term performance, uh, athletes that what we're talking about, that trade-off, that recognition that there are trade-offs is a stumbling block that leads people maybe to not make any choices and then try to do too much or try to do, uh, the wrong things or, or get themselves out of balance, whatever that balance might look like is just the recognition and the, the admission that I there are going to be trade-offs if I want to go this way or this way. Just recognizing that, is that a problem that you found or a challenge? Well, I think this is a challenge. I think this is a challenge for everybody. Mm -hmm. I think regardless of the pursuit, I think this is a big, big, massive challenge for us is not recognizing that um, putting effort into one thing means less effort into another. It, I mean, it's just the, it's just the, it's the, it's a fact of life. Like mm -hmm. you have so many minutes. That's why we have to maximize our minutes. That's why I believe in the disciplined approach to every day because I want to make sure I'm maximizing my minutes and I don't want to – and have a lot, of, a lot of this from Heather. I don't want to pour energy into something that's not going to come back. You know, I, It's just going to go down a drain and that's where you watching mindless TV is. Like that's just that's, – that's one of the trade-offs. Like you, you are purposely stepping away from the mindless stuff to put effort into the mindful stuff. 
the stuff that you actually want in your life. And it's awareness thing. And I think that, as you said, is this a problem? Is this a stumbling block, a challenge for a lot of people that are um, necessarily trying to make the pursuit of being a games athlete? Yes. And people that are trying to be a mid-level manager and people that are trying to um, break an addiction and people that are trying to live their best life and people that – and it always, always, always starts with awareness. Mm -hmm. It is this high-level awareness of where am I spending my time? Am I spending a time that is actually coming back to me? Not in a selfish way but in a way that is going to fulfill me so that I am actually living my best life. And once you start that path, then you start to really be able to figure out – because right now, the trade-offs are happening between the important stuff and the unimportant stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, once you get to the point where you're trading off between two important things, like we're playing with house money at that point. Like that's <laughs> right. like – it doesn't matter. It's, your, it's up to you. Do you want to be the best in the world or something? Chase that dream or do you want to be balanced across? Neither one of those is right or wrong. But the problem is we're getting tempted – and teased by the things that aren't important at all. And that trade-off is the one that people aren't even willing to make. Mm -hmm. We have to let go of the unimportant stuff. This is back to like super old school 101 self-betterment stuff of the Eisenhower matrix. Yep. You have to do things that are urgent and important. You have to. Like you, you have to um, go to work. You have to um, pick up your kids at school. You have to um, – um, cook dinner, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's the the stuff that is urgent that you need to do, what you think you need to do, but isn't important. And that's like, I get pushed back all the time, but it's email. Email mm -hmm. is the biggest time suck there is. People go, I gotta re I gotta do email for a job. Not the way you're doing it right now. Like read Cal Newport's deep work and then come back to me and let's have a chat. But you don't need to do email the way you're doing it right now. It's completely inefficient and you're tricking yourself into thinking that this is an important thing. Most meetings you're in, like audit your life. And I don't mean edit. Edit is like, like, like go through it. Aud like go through it. I'm sorry. Uh, like make sure you're making the changes. Like you got to make the changes to live the most productive life possible. And that's what these games athletes have done. They've gotten rid of the crap. All of the crap is gone. It's only important and they're, they're aware of and they're willing to make the trade-offs between maybe a couple date, extra date nights a month and extra sleep for performance. Mm -hmm. Maybe the trade-offs from like seeing their family more. Katrin moved to Boston for seven years. For the last two years, she didn't see her family at all. Like there was in COVID time, never went back to Iceland. That's a massive trade-off to leave your family that she's super close with, loves, loves, loves. You know, she's missed so many things along the way, but so went into it with eyes wide open, knew right away the conscious decision she was making to the point where when you asked her, she was like, I'm not sacrificing anything. No, this, it wasn't even a question for her because it wasn't even a trade-off at that point because she was gone so much. There's no fluff. Fluff is gone. It's only focused on the important I'm doing this, and the fact that I didn't see my family is not even a sacrifice. It's not even a trade-off. There's no question along the way. When you can find that, when you can find that, whether it's chasing a dream of going to the CrossFit Games or you fill in the blank, now you're living a purpose-filled life. This is a life with direction. This is a life with you know what you want to get out of it, and the little things that derail so many other people along the way start to fall to the wayside. 
someone said something bad about you on social media, so what? Like, um, somebody wants you to do this uh, photo shoot, sorry, can't, busy, I'm training. Somebody wants to um, have uh, have you come over for a dinner, sorry, can't, I'm, I gotta get to sleep, gotta do this. Go to the movies on Friday night, nope, can't, gotta sleep, gotta do this, gotta get to the sauna in the, like, the decisions are gone. It's just single-minded intention. Now, if that's not you, if you're not a CrossFit Games athlete, well then set the same principles for yourself for what you want out of your life. And then all of a sudden, your life becomes so clear because the distractions are completely gone. Uh, before we go uh, too far off the, the original track of our conversation, we didn't talk specifically, we talked about nutrition and fitness as it relates to, again, games athletes and health-focused uh, athletes. Are, are there specifics that you want to talk about as it relates to the other five factors? Or I know we've talked around them, we've talked through them a bit. I just don't want to skip over them if there are specifics you want to hit on. Yeah, they're, they're, they're actually, it's interesting because that we, we kind of um, segmented them this way because the other two have more similarities than they do differences. Mm. Mm -hmm. So sleep, I would want all the same sleep protocols in terms of lights and temperature and no screens and um, all the rest, um, heavy blankets, travel with your pillow, all that stuff. But there's the only difference is because of the training volume, they need more. So seven to nine hours is sufficient for an everyday Joe or Jane, but games athletes need nine to 10. Mm -hmm. um, I would actually up, up that to 10 and a half. 11 doesn't seem to help that much. It's from... Mm -hmm. The stuff that uh, this is totally empirically through my own um, coaching, but we track sleep. Um, the next one, um, mindset is the exact same. It is literally the, the hierarchy of mindset. Yep. No victims. Try to work from a pessimist to an optimist, from an optimist to a realist, from, an from a realist to a curious competitor. Somebody that looks forward to challenges. That's the exact same no matter who you are. That benefits you in life probably more than anything else you could do. And then the last one is connection. And this is the one that's probably going to be a little bit more sacrificed than um, this is a difference. Um, I still want them getting into nature and connecting with nature, but I still want them to have deep, meaningful relationships. But it's probably going to be a lot narrower. Mm. Like you just don't have the time to have five or six best friends. You just don't. CrossFit Games athletes don't. They live a it, what looks like a more solitary, selfish life, but it's not. It's just single pointed and clear with really clear, bright lines and guardrails in terms of when they're going away. So whereas a regular person, I'd want them to have as much social interaction as possible. Like if, as long as you are extroverted, you get energy from other people, not introverted where they exhaust you. Spend as much time as you can getting that energy. But for a games athlete, we need to make sure that you are putting literally the minutes. It's like... You said trade-offs, the minutes, if you're spending the minutes going out to dinner with somebody or um, you know, texting them or talking on the phone or whatever it might be, those are minutes that you could be putting into your training, your sleep, your recovery, your nutrition or something else. And because it's so important for them, um, I'm not saying I still like pour everything into your wife. You need that. Like the, 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 but the close few relationships you pour into, you got to be more careful with uh, the fringe ones. Mm. Are there things, you know, uh, uh, one of the interesting bits of context to this conversation is, uh, like, I think maybe like a lot of sports, but there's always something a little bit different about CrossFit because it's, it's, 
the sport of CrossFit feels, seems, smells, tastes so similar to what we do in the gym on a regular basis that I sometimes think that there's a lot more um, crossover than in other sports. Like if I were to play, go play basketball down the road, like I wouldn't in my head try to act as though I was a, I was trying to become an NBA player. And so I, I say that to, to ask, like, are there in your experience in the gym, are there things that, again, this kind of this regular J, J, Joe and Jane, things that they're doing that are, I don't know if you call them inappropriate, maybe they're just not necessary, maybe they're a waste of energy, time, whatever, that they're doing just because they see CrossFit Games athletes doing it, whatever that thing might be. Are there things that are that regular athletes are seeing games athletes think doing and think, well, if Chandler's doing it, it must be the road to being healthier and fitter and more and better performance. So therefore I'm going to do it when in fact, when in reality, the context of those training environments are so different that what Chandler's doing is actually like a completely unnecessary for me or useless even. Yeah. I see this. I hear this question a lot in terms of like, there's these guys that are spending like three, four five hours in the gym every day. They have no shot of going to the games. Like, dude, someone's got to have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they doing? I There's no conversation to be had. Mm-hmm. The conversation is, are they doing something that fulfills them? Mm-hmm. And they sh- if that's the case, if they do this because they're passionate about it, because they love it, it's the best part of their day. It is the thing that keeps them sober, keeps them sane lights their creative spark, makes them feel alive. Like I, the last thing I'd want to do is have that conversation with that athlete and say like, uh, you should not be training like Cole or Katrin. You should not mm-hmm. be training like Chandler because chances are you're not going to go that way. I know you see Chandler spending a lot of time working and refining his muscle ups. That's not for you. That's we are. I am not here to judge people's goals at all. Like your goals are your goals. What I'm here to do is to make sure that the process that you're choosing to chase those goals is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Now, if you tell me I have no, no desire to go to the games, I don't really even care about my performance in the gym, but I see you in the gym for six hours a day, mm-hmm. then there's a conversation, but I just don't see that. I just don't see it. I, all those people, are, are cha- they want it. They want mm-hmm. it really badly, but then the public goes – they have no shot. What are they doing? They're wasting, and we're judging them. We're judging their goals and their aspirations. It's the same way as somebody going like judging you, Patrick, for spending so much time with your kids. They go, why is he out earning more money? He doesn't, he doesn't have $10 million yet. Why does he have $10 million? And they're judging you for your value set. And that's not the thing we should be doing. In my opinion, mm-hmm. we should be supporting people and giving people the best process to chase it. Once we understand what their goals are. Now, if we don't believe that their goals are appropriate, then that's a different conversation. But um, we should, if they, if they see these guys spending hours and hours practicing and refining something, building up a huge aerobic base, refining these third wave adaptations of how to cycle barbells, figuring out how to um, work with, uh, you know, how to appropriately tape their thumbs. So when they're Olympic <laughs> lifting, like yeah. those are, it, those are valid pursuits for any Joe or Jane. Yep. If, if, that Joe or Jane is truly on that path that they believe that this is a part of the way that they're going to live their best life. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. And I, I'll only play devil's advocate a little bit just cause it's kind of fun, but 
if you knew that person well enough, right? Like, obviously it's not just somebody like, oh, why is he yep. here again? If you knew them well enough to have some kind of relationship with them and you knew that he was spending three hours in the gym, whatever, that can be the, that can be the thing that he's doing. And you also know that he it, it is an absent father or uh, whatever it is, right? Fill in the blank of something on that, yep. on that connective factor where, where you, where, you know, he's, um, where he's lacking, right? As we talk about that balance, that, that keeping the Frisbee kind of moving, is that a conversation worth having? Or is that, uh, I mean, again, you'd have to have enough of a relationship to actually be able to have that, but just say, say you do, is that a conversation worth having? Or is that like, Nope, that's just, that's where he's getting his, his, his happy, this is his happy place. This is whatever. And the other stuff will figure itself out. Like I'm just, that to me is the question that I, that I think about in the back of my head is, is I guess really what it is now that I'm kind of talking, thinking it out loud. Is it, it's kind of the idea of like, you're overcompensating in this area. And should you, is that a good thing? Are you aware of that? Should we talk about that? Yeah, we're not. So I would have a conversation to bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. But I would not um, help him solve. I wouldn't let him. I wouldn't try to dissuade him from it. Yeah. Because again, we're laying our value system. You're saying absentee father. What's an absentee father? Mm-hmm. Like, is it somebody like that's it's that's relative to you and your belief system? Because it's the same thing. You go like, um, like I somebody else comes in and goes, "What is this person doing in here? They're only they're in here." five hours a day and they only have a job that makes $80,000. Mm. Like they can't raise a family on that. Like, and you go like, whoa, 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 that's plenty of money to raise a family. Somebody else goes, you go, you're an absentee father. And he goes, what are you talking about? I took my kids into bed every single night. Mm-hmm. I'm at every single one of their sports games every Saturday morning. I, you know, and we don't, so it's the value system. It's what you believe. And I don't think we're here to judge that part. Um, but we could bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we could bring awareness to certain things. You'd have to have a good relationship to be able to do that. Right. Of course. And I think that, and I think that, um, you know, if we saw, um, talk toxicity, that's something different, mm-hmm. right? But absentee is arbitrary. It's gray, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he might go, uh, you know, I, I, there's, there, there might be so much more behind it that, um, you know, maybe, I don't know the answer to this, but maybe, um, he's in a abusive, he was an abusive father, right? And this is like, yeah, it's like our paradigms. We can't bring our paradigms, our thought beliefs to someone else's reality, mm-hmm. which is maybe that they are, were abusive. And when they're home, they can't help, but be abusive. And they're using this gym practice as the mechanism to change their lives. And we go, what are you doing here, man? Get back home. You should not be here for four hours. And now we're pushing them right back into the environment that set them up for this spiral of detriment. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm just a big believer of not laying our belief systems on others. Mm. Yeah. Love that. All right. This has been a very wide ranging, uh, and <laughs> bouncing around conversation. I like it though. Anything as we start to wrap up, uh, that maybe we haven't talked about worth mentioning as it relates to this, this kind of dual track of p- short-term performance and long-term performance, uh, anything you want to just kind of wrap up with? Yeah. The, uh, you know, the kind of the overarching theme of that is what you just said, which is short-term versus long-term. And that sets up the trajectory for the whole thing. 
the the health person, the average Joe or Jane, should be going for a low trajectory towards a very distant horizon. Meaning, let's say you're finding CrossFit at age 55 Mm -hmm. and um, over the next 10 years, you make no gains. Over the next 20 years, you make no gains. Over the next 30 years and 40 years, you make no gains, but you also don't lose anything. Mm. Literally, you don't lose any ounce of capacity, meaning you're as fit and as functional as you were as a 95-year-old as you were as a 55-year-old. That's incredible. They'd write, they'd make movies about you. Mm. They would literally like, you would be the fittest, oldest person ever to exist. <laughs> As opposed to what most people are doing, when they come in, they confuse this and they chase short-term gains. And now they're trying to be fitter in six months than they are right now. And because of that, they edge towards the other thing and start to sacrifice other things and the Frisbee doesn't stay balanced. Mm. What we need to do is recognize that this is a piece. The gym is a piece of what we're trying to use to accomplish our end state, which is kicking ass into our nineties. That's what health is. And what we want to do is that's why the prescription is 60 to 90 minutes in the gym, maybe, maybe, maybe two hours, but I really don't think so. Depending on what your other lifestyle factors are in terms of like, if you do nothing else outside the gym, then maybe two hours. But if you are hiking, you're doing water sports, you're doing snow sports, you're playing on teams, you have a, you're a landscaper, you garden, you're with the kids all the time. Like you probably don't need the two hours. So the idea behind this is just recognize where you are on your path. Um, it's okay to tip the Frisbee as long as you're doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Don't let it tip, um, unintentionally. And then from there, make sure you're very diligent and aware of the process that you're following to get to your end state. Don't do anything just to do it. Love that. I'm a man. Thank you. That was fun. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. And Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.